In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I will say that I am used to doing some stuff that many would find intimidating, and I've kind of gotten over a lot of that. But I will say that preaching to a couple rows of third graders sitting by themselves, knowing that I need to keep their attention, that, that is intimidating. But I will say that they have been following along in their bulletins beautifully. So all the parents out there worried about them, they're doing just fine. So today... We are here because we are in Epiphany, and in Epiphany, we are talking about the light that comes into the world. We're talking about what Jesus tells us that helps to guide our paths as disciples. And today, we hear one of the great moments in Scripture, the Beatitudes. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, to set this story up, we need to put Jesus in context. We've been traveling along these last few Sundays in Jesus' own personal ministry, and he has set himself up to do what he does today in a very impactful way. Now, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, but then he wasn't quite able to do all the preaching and teaching he wished to do in Nazareth, so he moved. He moved over to Galilee. Galilee gave him a fresh start. Galilee gave him an opportunity to call some disciples and to begin to do things with people who didn't know him as the boy next door. And today, he has garnered a little bit of momentum. He has attracted some attention. And when he goes out to preach, thousands of people come to listen. He offers this sermon, and this sermon was recorded in multiple different ways. Here in Matthew, it's the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, it's a very similar sermon on the plain, which makes me think that Jesus had worked up one really good sermon that he gave over and over again. That gives me some confidence because I really only have one as well. So that's a good thing. Jesus had that one good sermon with these brilliant ideas that changed the entire way that people saw the world and what God was doing in the world. And so if this was Jesus's one sermon, <clears throat> we owe it to ourselves to spend a little time unpacking it and we will actually hear portions of this sermon over the next few Sundays because it is that important. Now, starting places matter. And so to begin the Sermon on the Mount, the thing we call the Beatitudes is how Jesus begins. Beatitude means blessing. And so Jesus says nine verses in a row, blessing. Blessing is where we should start. Let's make sure we're on the same page about what this means. Now, blessing <clears throat> does not mean happy. And it's okay if we get that confused, because in our world today, blessing almost always means happiness. And if we get this confused, I have a good way for us to remember when we feel happy, great. You can be thankful, you can be grateful, that's just fine. But don't think that you're blessed just because you are happy. This past week, I met colleagues in Austin, and we had a wonderful time, and perhaps the best part of the entire time was when we were walking through the city, and I realized there were scooters all over the place. And so we didn't have to walk, we could scoot. How many of you all have done the scooters in downtown areas? Oh my goodness, I can't even tell you, it's like your child again. And so we rode scooters all over the place, and it made me profoundly happy. And it would have been very easy for me to have ridden scooters all over the place, multiple great coffee shops, and to have sat with my coffee having ridden a scooter and to say, ah, I am blessed. That's not how that works. 
That is not a blessing. Now, I enjoyed it. It was great. But let's be clear. In the way that Jesus is using this word, in the original language, blessing actually meant something more close to fortunate. Now, that's not necessarily unhappy, but fortunate is a very different thing. Fortunate is something deeper and more profound. Fortunate is something that can help us see the world, even when it's not good, as something to be grateful for. Blessing as being fortunate allows us to see the world, even when the world is full of problems, in a way that we can call blessed. Now, fortunate can be a little difficult when we look at the way that the world is today. Oh, the problems of the world. It's been two weeks since I have preached, and I have lost count of how many shootings that we have had. How many acts of senseless violence have occurred, inhumane, heinous problems? And that's not to mention what seems like a daily drumbeat of all of the economic forecasts that can make us feel like crazy people. It's one thing after another, and it seems like the world is such a hot mess that what are we supposed to be blessed about? But when we think about the anxiety of the world, when we think about the way that Jesus addresses the problems, when Jesus says that his followers are fortunate, what Jesus is really talking about is the way that they perceive the world around them. Jesus is offering a promise, a promise that as disciples, we will always be in a fortunate position because God is with us. And now that we kind of have that idea of blessings fleshed out just a little bit, we can take these blessings and to see what Jesus might have for us. Now, to be clear, the Beatitudes are not a call to action. The Beatitudes are promises. Jesus is not encouraging us to intentionally become poor or meek. Jesus is not intentionally asking us to manufacture opportunities to mourn or to be persecuted. Rather, Jesus knows that we will, just by virtue of being in the world, experience moments of poverty and weakness and mourning and confusion and anxiety. And when we do, Jesus promises that we will not be alone and that the world will not stay as it is right now. And this is a critical idea, so I want to say it again. Jesus is not offering us a how-to guide to being a disciple. What Jesus is offering us is a way of seeing life when we are disciples. You see, these blessings taken together, they're deeply profound theologically. And it might be tempting for us to read this list and think that it's only beautiful poetry and not reality. Because we know that we do not experience all these blessings most of the time. These blessings are meant to provide us hope. And hope is something that we cannot lose. Hope when we experience those moments of poverty and hunger. Hope when we mourn. Hope when we seek mercy and peace. Hope to know that we are not alone in those efforts. That we are not alone in those pits. That we are not alone when we feel lonely. That God is with us. Through our discipleship, we are called to begin to see the world differently and then to make an impact on that world. Through our discipleship, we are meant to be given the comfort and the knowledge 
that God is with us every step of the way and that through following Jesus, we become part of God's kingdom building work. The comfort here is the gift of knowing that we can make a difference in the world around us with God's help, that God is not separate from us, that God is there to lift us up when we fall and to even carry us when we are too weak to walk ourselves. God has been here. Jesus has walked this path, knowing our pain, knowing our heartbreak, knowing our struggle, knowing our mess of humanity. And so our following is God who knows us deeply. Now we cannot face the trouble of the world alone and thank God that we have Jesus. This is a big promise. This is a life-changing promise for Jesus' followers. And this is a promise that can help us to turn our world upside down in the best way so we can see that God promises us something more than the mess of what is out there. Now, Jesus begins this big sermon with these beatitudes and with these blessings to create a foundation from which he can launch into a profound moment, into a profound teaching, one that can have a deep impact on us. And so I have a crazy idea. Here's my crazy idea. Knowing that we're going to be reading through chapter five of Matthew over these next few weeks, what if you go and read chapter five of Matthew this week? Oh, oh, what if you actually read chapters five, six, and seven? It's the entire sermon, crazy idea. Those are in the Bible. So, <clears throat> I want you to go and take your Bibles, and if you don't have one, we're going to have some third graders with new Bibles, they'll let you borrow them. Take your Bibles, read through at least Matthew chapter 5, and if you're really feeling inspired, 5 through 7, this beautiful teaching of Jesus. Read through it and pray about it. Actually pray each day this week. Pray about what a blessing can mean to you. Pray about the complexity of being fortunate that we live in a time when God has revealed such deep truth to us through the person of Jesus. So fortunate to be in a moment where we have the amount of strength we do to affect the world around us in such a positive way. Fortunate that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, we are not alone. God walks with us. God lifts us up. God even carries us. And so nothing we face is too much for God. And nothing we face is so bad that we cannot, through our love, reflecting God's love, make a difference in this world. Go home and read and pray. We're going to be walking through this over the next few weeks, and I promise it will make a difference. Amen.